Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, that it's not by my ability, Lord, but by your grace. So, Father, I ask, Lord, that um, as I give myself to you, that you'll take out of me what you've put into me and you'll minister to your people, Lord, and especially, Lord, that you will be glorified. So we commit this evening to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So when uh, I was thinking about, you know, what God would, would want to say tonight, um, I just kept thinking about that scripture in Hebrews, you know, hold fast your confession uh, without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And uh, over the years, you know, that scripture, when, when I did a study on hold fast your confession, the word confession, you know, growing up in, in the Catholic Church, my only concept of confession was telling your sins to the priest, um, which we did, you know, every couple of months or something. And it wasn't until years later when I got into the scriptures that I realized it had a completely different meaning. And it really it really means to, to agree with or to say the same thing as. And um, so that's, that particular verse to me means hold fast to your agreement of faith or your agreement with God and stay in agreement with him. And so of course that opens up a whole bunch of things. Uh, so how do you stay in agreement with God? But let's, um, as I was thinking about this today, I was thinking, let's go back to Genesis. Let's start from the start. So I want to go just a couple of, just a real quick synopsis in Genesis. Because I want to just talk about God for a minute. If we're going to stay in agreement with God, well, what does that mean? And when I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, when God made the heavens and the earth, and he put mankind on the earth. You know, he had a plan. And it was an eternal plan. Um, so let's just talk about that for a second. So in Genesis chapter 1 um, and verse 28, when I mean, we know this, but let's just look at it again just for a second. Because I just kind of want to lay a bit of a foundation So this is all about God. This is God's part. We're, we're not in the picture here. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Where am I? Um, and so in the five days, let's see, uh, verse 23, and evening and morning were the fifth day. So on the sixth day then, if we look at verse 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then look at this. Look what he does with this creature. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. 
in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, no other creature did he say this, he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the living things that moves on the earth. So God gave dominion to this, this prime creation. Of all his creation, mankind was his special creation. And he, he gave us dominion um, over all the other things he had created and over the earth. So, okay. And verse 31. And God saw everything that he made and indeed it was very good. So, it's a good start, this. God has, has made everything, made, made the earth, put man on it and has created all the, the provision for mankind, has given man authority and control over the whole thing, and he saw that it was good. So it's a good start. And then chapter 2, verse 3, um, and God blessed the seventh, the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created. Um, I think that's important. God rested from his work. Um, it was complete. You know, I know myself when I put in a hard graft for a few days and I complete a job, you know, I just love to sit back and just rest. You know, and I, when I picture this, this is a complete work and God is resting from it. He's also setting a precedent uh, of rest. Um, and then verse 8 uh, of chapter 2 says um, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow uh, that is pleasant um, sorry um, every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food and the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, but I, there was something I wanted to... Uh, let's see. Yeah, so verse 15 says, Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying... So here's... There's some instructions coming for a man here. Uh, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat you shall surely die. Um, and then go, he goes on to make woman, and then we know in chapter 3, in chapter three um, the serpent, Satan, the devil, gets, comes into this scenario he deceives Adam and Eve and they basically disobeyed God. And all of a sudden, this per perfection is now thwarted. It's what happened here, you know? What's God going to do about this? And, but I, I, I'm amazed. Um, so that's, us, that's our little bit of Genesis finished. But let's go over to uh, 
First uh, Peter chapter one verse eighteen. And there's just a, three or four scriptures there I just want to quickly look at because this did not take God by surprise at all. Um, he knew this was, this was going to happen. And let's look at these scriptures because it's really amazing. Um, have I got the right place here? Yeah, so verse 18 of First Peter chapter 1 says, Knowing that you are not redeemed from corrupt, with corruptible things like silver and gold, but from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish um, and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last, last times for you uh, who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead. That's what I want you to see. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Hold on a second. So God, before God even made uh, the world and, and put man in it, he already had foreordained. That's, there's a couple of more scriptures that talk about that. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. I still have some questions about this but uh, that I haven't got the answer to yet, but I will. But Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says, I'm in the right place. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. See it again the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Look in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11. Wow. This really shows me of just the, just the, the foreknowledge of God, but also the, the heart of God. You know, he went ahead and he made, he made mankind, put them on the earth in his image and likeness. Um... And uh, knowing before he ever did this, knowing this, he, he had already made provision for, for the, sac- the sacrificial lamb to redeem mankind back to himself before mankind ever even fell. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 11 says, um, let us see. according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What I, what I see in there is that, you know, what was in, accomplished in Jesus Christ was redemption for a fallen race. But that redemption was an eternal purpose. It, it was always the purpose of God. It was an eternal purpose. So before God ever... Uh, created his mankind. This, this creature that, that he just loves, he loves us. You know, he had already made provision in his love and his mercy 
to redeem us back to himself. Um, I think that's amazing, just amazing. It makes me fall in love with them all over again um, when I see things like this. God's eternal purpose is accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And one more scripture in uh, Romans chapter 8. It's amazing. I, I don't know if, what kind of a, you know, I'm, I'm not a very well-practiced minister, but when I start to study, I just have like a whole, like a whole series, you know, and I'm trying to wade through a hundred scriptures. And, and uh, so I decided tonight I wanted to keep it really simple, right? <laughs> so Romans chapter 8, verses 20. Um, Well, let's go back to verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Wow, that's a a powerful scripture. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Now, I don't fully understand this, but that seems to be telling me that God God allowed a creation to, to be subjected to futility. And you know, what had happened in, in Genesis chapter 3 opened up humanity to futility. You know, so much loss, so much uh, just going the opposite direction to God. And, um, but God still went ahead and he created his creation and subjected it to futility. Not, he wasn't willing for that to happen, but it was still better for it to happen somehow than not create his creation at all. Um, uh, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope hope, joyful anticipation. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of, the, of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Okay, so that's basically making my point. Uh, God already knew before, beforehand that um, with the fall there was still... Um, a purpose. So he had already fore, foreordained and, and pre-planned um, that actually his son Jesus was going to be the, the lamb that would take away the sin of the world and to redeem mankind back from that mess. So <clears throat> my, my next heading is mankind's plight, God's provision, the lamb, and then the invitation. Let me explain that, what I mean by that. So, the plight of man is he's, he's dead in sin. He's lost. He's separated from God. Um, but God made provision. And 
I think it's important, and, and I'm, I'm getting to my point here, because um, when God made the provision, that doesn't mean, as we know, that everybody will avail of that provision. They have to receive it. And in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there's the part, our part is not, we, we can't redeem ourselves. The price is too great. So Jesus did that. He did all the work. He did all the heavy lift, lifting. Um, but we, do, we still have to acknowledge that. And that's my message tonight. When, when, we, when, when we acknowledge God's love for us, and then we reach out and say, yes, Lord, I receive that. That's what confessing with your mouth is all about. And it doesn't stop there. Because in Hebrews we'll see, we need to continue to hold fast our confession or stay in agreement with God. And not just that in the issue of, of eternal redemption, but also in the issues, all the other issues of life. And certainly in our walk with him, we need to stay in agreement with him. And so... I think it's important to start at the very start. We agreed with the gospel. We agreed with his sacrifice that he made. And we said, yes, Lord, I need, I need that. I can't do it on my own. My own righteousness is not, doesn't meet the, the standard. I need your righteousness. And so he gave us the gift of righteousness. Romans goes into great detail on that. <clears throat> so... Um, Maybe just uh, uh, turn to Romans chapter 5. And verses 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that. Verse 12 says, therefore, just as through one man, speaking of Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So that's basically what I was saying a minute ago. Through Jesus, we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And as a result of that, we reign in life through Jesus. <clears throat> Powerful, isn't it? Um, Um, Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 um, so it's a little synopsis here in the first few verses it says God who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. 
and being the express image of his glory in the, sorry, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he, when he had by himself, this is the piece I want you to see, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's amazing. So by himself, he purged our sins with his blood. The Bible says, talks about Jesus being the high priest. The high priest takes the blood um, into the holy of holies. And Jesus presented his blood before the Father in the very presence of God. And... Um, And thus purged our sins. And he sat down. Because the work was complete. The work of redemption was complete when Jesus did that. Now, it's, it's just a verse, but it, it, it encapsulates so much, this verse. Um, In Rome, let's go to Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> so, so, just to recap, God made, well, first of all, God made provision in, e- in eternity. And then he created his, his world, put his man in the world. Man fell. God's plan kicked in. And the whole process through the, the, the 4,000 years up to Jesus dying on the cross, paying the price. And then he sits down at the right hand of the Father. Work is finished. The price is paid to redeem all mankind. so I love what Paul Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 in verse 14 he says I am a debtor both to Greeks and barbarians both to wise and unwise so as much as is in me I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. That's the key. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in what? In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Um, Okay. So, So Paul... He, he says, I'm a debtor. I, I owe a debt to preach this gospel. And he's talking to the church, the people in Rome. And um, because if Jesus has sat down and the price is paid and the work is done, um, then now it's over to us. And so uh, our job is to bring the message 
to the people in Rome, to the people in Belfast, to the people in Galway, to the people in wherever, Cork. Um, and then it's over to them. So once they hear the message, but he says in verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And then he says something about the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation. There's something about the message of the gospel. There's got, it's got enough power in it to just transform people and bring people to a place of decision. <clears throat> it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Okay? And verse 18 then says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. This word caught me earlier, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may, may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his, in, his invisible qualities or attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. All, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Um, there was another verse there. Hold on now. So there's, what's amazing to me about that is that, that there are people who will suppress the message and push it aside. And, um, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, but there are those who will not suppress it and who will allow that power unto salvation to come to them and be changed and be, you know, the Bible says the goodness of God leads all men to repentance. They'll repent and they'll receive the gift that Jesus paid for with his own precious blood. <clears throat> I love that. Um, so all we have to do is repent and receive the gift of righteousness. Romans chapter 2, 4 is the scripture that says the goodness of God leads all men to repentance. And let's just look at, we know this, but let's look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Actually, let's go back to, um, let's go back to verse 1, actually. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for, to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, religion, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness uh, to everyone who believes. Uh, what, let's see. Verse 6 says, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Uh, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, 
or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess or agree with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or another way of saying that is if you uh, confess Jesus' lordship of your life, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Um, and then he goes on, you know, in verse uh, 15, how beautiful on the, are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tithings of good things. And that's how people receive Christ. They, they believe and they confess. And that confession, actually I've written a note here at the bottom of my Bible and I had to rewrite it today because it was so faded. But it says, um, in relation to con, con, what, uh, sort of an explanation of what confess means. It means to agree, but it's like a post office stamp. Uh, it stamps in approval, confirming the letter with its stamp. Our words, our confession, um, stamps, approves, confirms, agrees with, seals, declares as true the word of God. Um, so, so the confession of your, of your mouth in belief is a very powerful thing. And if it's done in faith and done in belief, it confirms and it approves. And it's received by God as being the only requirement uh, to receive the great price that he paid. When you, think of the, when you think of the thousands of years and you think of Jesus and all that he went through and, and, and dying on the cross and, and paying that price, and you, and you see how man can freely receive that as a gift, as simple as reaching out and taking the gift, and that you receive that gift by confirming with your mouth. I think that's amazing. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wow. Um, the word confess means to agree, to say the same thing as, to declare, to profess, to give thanks. It means not to deny or suppress. It means to concede. And of course, this is only the start of, 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 of the the subject of, of confessing. Um, because staying in agreement with God, declaring what he declares, professing what he professes, you know, acknowledging him with thanksgiving, not denying him, but accepting what he says, not denying his standards or his... his um, his instruction, 
but embracing it and accepting it. That's what confession does. And our heart should be a heart of agreement with God. I think that's what I really feel God was saying to me uh, in, in putting this together, is the importance for us as his church to stay in agreement with him. We started off in agreement with him, now we need to continue. And we, we, we are surrounded with so many voices and so many, uh, we're trying to even decipher information to, to, to see who's telling the truth out there. And I realize, you know what, it doesn't really matter. Even if I have it wrong, even if my facts are wrong about what's going on out there, the important thing is I can have the truth from the Word of God. And if I stay, keep my heart in agreement with what God's Word says, then I'll be on the right track. And uh, see close to God. Um, there's an interesting uh, scripture in Mark chapter 4, verse 28. And it talks about the, um, you know, a, a, a field that's white under harvest. But there's one word there that really uh, is amazing. Let's see. scripture. Oh, yeah, I'm in the wrong book. <laughs> yeah. Um, verse 26, the kingdom of God is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow and he himself does not know how for the earth yields crops by, it, by itself. Uh, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And that word ripens there is a very interesting word. It means, um, it means to permit. And it means to give in to the hands of another, to give over to one's power or use, to commit, to, com- to commend, to permit, to allow. Um, the ripeness of the fruit allows, um, it gives itself up, it pre- presents itself. It entrusts itself. It yields up. It surrenders. Uh, to me, it's a great picture of, of the harvest. And uh, the kingdom of God, you know, he's distru- describing the kingdom here. And what that say, says to me is that, that, you know, God's heart is all about the harvest. He, lo- he loves people. And, but there's a point where the, the corn becomes ripe and at the place of ripeness it starts to yield itself and I, I, to me that's a picture of what the harvest will be like when we, when, we, when we 
are in the harvest field, we, we, will, we will see people who are ripe and we just, we just, it'll be so easy. Um, but again, in the, in the context of, uh, you know, um, this idea of agreeing with God or confessing, staying, holding fast our confession of, of faith, uh, staying in agreement with God, it, it reminded me that this, this word ripen is a bit like that as well. It's, it's, um, it's a yieldedness. It's an agreement with the plan of God. Um, and uh, when, a, when a person comes to Christ initially and they, they just begin to yield themselves, when they recognize the glorious God and his, his great love, his mercy, and they start to yield themselves. I just think it's a beautiful um, analogy of, of, a, of a heart that's, that's become ripe and ready to be harvested. And it says, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. That word puts in is, is the, um, it's the Greek word apostolos, where we get the word apostle from. Amen. Right. Um, so confession and agreement with God continues after the initial, you know, agreeing with the gospel. And so if we look at for, in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. So in the New King James Version, it doesn't bring out what, what's really there. It says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. To me, that sounds like God is, it's all in God's part. God is, is yes to all his promises but somehow he's amend to all these promises as well. But actually that word amen is our part. The yes is God's part, but the amen is our part. We agree with, we confirm. Um, and so let me read it in a couple of other translations because it brings it out really well. The, the New Life version says, Jesus says yes to all of God's many promises. It is through Jesus that we say, let it be so when we give thanks to God. The Passion Translation says, for all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him. And as, he's, and, and as his yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring glory. Sorry, we bring him glory. The NIV says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And the Good News translation says this, for it is he, Jesus Christ, who is the yes of all of God's promises. This is why through Jesus Christ, our amen is said to the glory of God. Isn't that lovely? I only discovered that today, but... uh, um, I thought that's really amazing. 
But again, all of the promises of God are yes. He's saying, yes, I want you to have them, you know. Our part is, okay, amen, I want that, I'll take that, you know, I receive it. So our agreement is, is crucial. Let's look at another scripture. Um, Hebrews 4, 14. <clears throat> I'll have you out of here in an hour. (coughs) Am I joking? Uh, Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. I never never had an idea what that meant in the past. I think what it means, but I could be wrong. I think it might be a reference to Jesus taking his blood to the, to the, the, the heavenly uh, mercy seat to the Father. Anyway, but, but I might be wrong. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, was, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Okay, so Jesus, let us hold fast our confession, our agreement, our acknowledgement. Um, but then in verse 16 it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. What, what, when we come boldly to the throne of grace, that's our opportunity to hold fast our confession. That's our opportunity to state our agreement with God. God, I agree with you about this. And you come boldly with confidence. What's, why have we the ability to come boldly into the throne of grace? It's because of the price that was paid for, for us. We're totally free from the bondage of sin for any restrictions. We have absolute access into the, into the Father. It's amazing. Uh, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That, that second word, grace, is actually a plural word. Um, so we have access to help. We have access to the grace of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God. And when we come into his presence before his throne... You know, we take the promises of God and we, we uh, with confidence, uh, agree with God. God, you said, here's what your word said. And uh, we access the grace of God with our confession, with our agreement. Amen.
if you go to chapter 10 of, 10 of Hebrews, it's a similar point here. <coughs> Uh, verse 19 of chapter 10 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness or confidence, that confidence is founded on the blood of Jesus and his priestly ministry. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by that new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast. That word hold fast means to, to fall on. It's like, you know, you, you fall on it and you, you hold it down. To possess it as yours. To put your weight upon it. Don't let it go. What are we holding fast? The confession of our hope. Without wavering. So much in this here. So hold on tight to our agreement of our hope. Without wavering. Where does our hope come from? It comes from the Word. The Word gives us Anticipation. What's the, what's the other way of saying that? Ryan? Confident expectation. Yes. Um, hold fast the confession of our, or the agreement of our confident expectation without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Doesn't that verse give you a lot of confidence? You know, you're, you're coming before God. Um, holding on to your agreement with him. That reminds me of David. You know, standing in front of Goliath. And the words that came out of David's mouth, you could see his confidence, his agreement with what God said. He knew I belong to a covenant people. The, the children of Israel are covenant people. He knew that they had a position of, of um, in, just in God, their favor in God. And this guy, an uncircumcised Philistine, he has no covenant. He belongs to an uncovenanted people. But David says, but we belong to a covenanted people. He stood before Goliath with confidence. And uh, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So God, we, we can trust God. If God has said it, if he has promised it and we're standing in agreement with it, then we can depend on his faithfulness. And do not be moved off it. Doesn't matter what. God is faithful. Doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter what it seems like. God is faithful. It doesn't matter if everything seems all wrong. God is still faithful. Amen.
Amen. So, to conclude my message this evening, I really just want to talk about, for a couple of seconds, a few scriptures that talk about if I'm going to stay in agreement with God, then I need to know what he has to say. And so, I mean, I know that a few of us that are in this room tonight will, will know this, but maybe some of you guys at home, um, you know, maybe this is not a really strong point with you. Uh, Thirty odd years ago, I, I came to Christ and I came from a background where there was no scripture, there was no word. I knew nothing. And God very quickly got it through to me, the importance of the scriptures. And I've been a student of the scripture ever since. I'm not a real good student, uh, but I'm a consistent student. And I'm still learning, and I'm still keen to learn. Because I want to want to know the one who redeem me. I want to know him and in some way be able to give my life back to him and and yield my will to him and maybe that he could be glorified in my life in some way. Um, Paul, we read earlier, Paul says, I am a debtor. Um, We owe a debt of gratitude, a debt of love to our our heavenly father. Um, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My goodness, what kind of love is that? The word of God is precious. And it's, there's so many scriptures. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. And it names off a few things as profit for doctrine. Get your facts right for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If you want to be instructed in how to be right with God, get into the scripture. You'll not find it any other way, any other place. The scripture is going to instruct you on how to be right with God, how to have God's righteousness. Um, Proverbs chapter four says, attend to my word, incline your ear to my sayings, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he's like a man who builds his house on a rock. And the storms beat on the house and the the winds blow, but the house stands. And my life is a testimony of that. I've I've taken the sayings of Jesus and I've I've tried to memorize things and learn things and meditate on them and digest them. And you know what? It's influenced the man I am. It's affected how I do my business, how I treat my family, how I operate in life. And and my, my life, I'm not perfect, but my life has a lot of strength, a lot of good foundation. Why? Because the word of God has revealed the person who gave his life for me and redeemed me. It's revealed him to me. It's made me fall in love with him. So it's not just the word, it's not just reading words in a book, but it's 
I'm, I'm learning about my Savior. I'm learning about my Redeemer. He's teaching me his wisdom. If you're going to hold fast your confession, if you're going to stay in agreement with God, you better find out who he is. <clears throat> and you won't find out that any other way, but firstly, receiving him and receiving the gift of eternal life and then get into his word and obey it. Um, Mark chapter 4 talks about the sower, sows the word. And God is a sower, and he's, God is a sower, he's continually trying to sow his seed of his word, his thoughts, his ideas into man's heart. And if we have a, a, a heart that's prepared properly and will receive that seed, it will produce fruit in our lives. Um, and God, it's the heart of God to sow his seed in, in the hearts of men. Um, in James chapter 1, verse 19, uh, let's, let's just, instead of looking at me, let's look at the scriptures. So then, my beloved brethren, verse 19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or with teachableness the implanted or ingrafted word which is able to save your souls. And be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Receive with meekness, with teachableness. It's important to have a teachable heart. You never get too old to be teachable. I'm not too old. I'll be 60 in a couple of weeks' time or a few weeks' time. Uh, I'm still not too old. And when I'm 85, I'll still not be too old to be teachable. Be teachable. The meek shall inherit the earth, the Bible says. You keep advancing when you have a meek heart. He says, receive with meekness or teachableness the implanted word which is able to save or make whole or deliver your soul. Amen. And don't be just a hearer of the word. When you hear the word and you've, you've understood it, now be a doer of it. You know, apply it to your life. I could have gone into all, all the ways to agree with God. I would be here for a week talking about all the scriptures where we can actually get into agreement with God. But the scripture is full of things where we can apply them to our lives and, and start getting in agreement with God, holding fast our, agree, our agreement, our confession. Um, Psalm 1 says... Um, I, wrote, I put music to this one time. Blessed is the man. No, that's not it. Um, that's another one I put music to. Uh, let's see. Let's go back to Psalms chapter 1. 
Right, I'm nearly finished. Psalm 103 talks about forget not all his benefits. Where do you find about that? In the word. But anyway, let's finish with Psalm chapter 1. We'll read Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight. This is the man now that's blessed. Why is he blessed? Because his delight is in the commandments or the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That man shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. The, um, and whatever he shall do, it shall prosper. Sorry, his leaf also will not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, they are like chaff in the wind. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. My life is just a real testimony of that first few lines there. I've delighted in the law of the Lord, and I've meditated for the last, on it for the last 30 odd years. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in the season. I have a lot of fruit in my life to the glory of God since I started to apply his word to my life. So guys, that's my um, little message tonight. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. <clears throat> uh, Lord, I just thank you for all who are listening and will listen tonight. I pray that your word will, will uh, go deep into our hearts and will produce fruit in our, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie